This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as past teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Turn with me in your Bible uh, to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 6. We're going to go there together. That's right, we're going Old Testament this morning. We just wrapped up a series on prayer here at Nova. And I got to say, like genuinely, this is one of those series um, where you, you just need to download it and then listen to it like once or twice a year. It, it was that kind of series. It was practical. It was encouraging. It built people's prayer lives. You know, it's not often, uh, well, actually, it's, it's fairly often here at Nova, but that stood out as a series that if you're trying to understand your relationship with God as someone who's been a Christian for 30 years, if you're trying to understand your relationship with God as someone who's been a Christian for 10 minutes, that series is applicable to you. It's the kind of series that builds faith that is so important. And at the center of that series, at the center of that was the, the prayer in Matthew 6, where Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And he's talking about the kingdom coming here on earth as it is in heaven. God's kingdom and his will being experienced here on earth as it is in heaven. And church, I wanna, I wanna tell you today, God is calling his church, that's you, that's me, to be a praying church, to be a people who are believing for the kingdom of God to come here and now at a time when we can look around the world and feel like it's bleak. At a time when we can look around the world and feel like some of the wind is out of the sails. Can I just tell you something? You are alive now for such a time as this. God has actually trusted us with this season and this time as his church. And there's a mission for us to do. So church, we gotta take that seriously. I would encourage you, go download it if you missed it. If you didn't miss it, make sure that we're listening to that. But we are called to build his church during this time. And so I'm preaching a message today that I wanna call, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. Let's read this together in the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter six. We're gonna start right in verse one. It says this, it was the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. That's a picture for worshiping God together in unity. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips. I live among a people with filthy lips, yet I've seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Church, would you pray with me today as we understand this scripture and unpack for us what it means in 2022? Come on, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you have always been a God who wants to be involved in our lives that you have always been a God who wants his kingdom to be experienced here on earth as it is in heaven. God, that you love people. 
God, even if we have sinned, even if we have fallen short, that your desire is reconciliation. So Father, I pray that as we unpack this, Lord, that you would speak to hearts, that you would speak to minds, challenge where there needs to be challenged, encourage where there's need for encouragement, build up where we need to be built up. But Father, all the more, draw us close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, have you ever noticed the significance of just, of just being available? You know what I'm talking about? Like, typically we hear these stories in the sports world. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, they stepped up and had their moment of fame, right? Like, the, probably the most famous example of this would be Tom Brady. Now, love him or hate him, all right, let's just talk about Tom for a second. Because at the end of the day, he holds every single quarterback record that there is to hold, with the exception of a couple that, you know, Aaron Rodgers, whatever he's doing. But you got to understand something about this guy. Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round, and there were seven quarterbacks that got drafted ahead of him in that round. Now, if that means nothing to you, if that's just right over your head, I'll put it this way. He got picked 199th overall that year. What that's saying is no one believed in this guy, all right? Like no one was looking at Tom Brady thinking he is going to be the GOAT. People were like, yeah, I guess we'll take him, you know? He's, he's, he's better than 200, I guess, so we'll take him number 199. But here's the thing. He was a backup quarterback. He was sitting on the bench for the Patriots, and Drew Bledsoe got hit late in the game, got hurt to the point where he had to come out, and Tom Brady stepped in, and the rest is history. He was available, he had his moment, he stepped up, and because of that, he now has been the league MVP multiple times, the playoff MVP multiple times. He has seven Super Bowls. He is undisputably the GOAT. And you may be like, yeah, but he still got picked 199th overall. I mean, he was still good enough to make the NFL, even if he exceeded people's expectations. And that's fair, and I'll, I'll give you that one. But I wanna ask you this question. Have you ever heard of Dave Ayers? Dave Ayers? Does that name ring any bells? Let me, let me just tell you a little bit about Dave Ayers. Dave Ayers is a Zamboni driver for the Toronto Marlies. Now, the Toronto Marlies are the farm team for the NHL team, okay? So, like, when you're not good enough, you get sent down, or if you're trying to make your way up, you play on that team until you get called up. And he drives the Zamboni for that team, okay? So he doesn't even drive the Zamboni for the Leafs. But a few years ago, in a game against the Carolina Hurricanes in February of 2020, the goalie for the Carolina Hurricanes, James Reimer, and then the backup goalie, Peter Mrazek, both got injured. And so you would think maybe they're gonna forfeit the game, the game's gonna be over, but no, no. Because in the NHL, there's an emergency goalie provision. An emergency goalie provision where Dave Ayers, a 43-year-old Zamboni driver for the Marlies who had only ever played hockey as high as Junior B, which is not very high, got put in goal for the Carolina Hurricanes. He got called in, he's wearing Toronto gear, he's got blue and white pads and a Carolina Hurricanes jersey that they made right in the back. And he goes in net and he makes eight saves over 10 shots. That's pretty good. I mean, definitely not NHL level, but here's the thing. He won that game. The Carolina Hurricanes won 6-3. He had his first NHL game, his first NHL win as a Zamboni driver at 43 years old. Why? Was he skilled? Was he capable? Was he qualified? No, he was just available. Like he was literally the last choice, but because of it, the Carolina Hurricanes got the victory. He got paid 500 bucks and he got to keep a jersey and he's got a story that is gonna last forever. And you know, when it comes to us church, we need to recognize that we also need to be available. 
You see, he wasn't qualified, he wasn't skilled, he didn't have the, the, the resume to be able to play in net, but because he was available, he got called up for the moment of opportunity. And church, I wanna ask this question, am, am I available? Are, are you available for what God wants to do in your life? You see, God has a mission on this earth to bring his kingdom, to have his kingdom come and his will be done and experienced here around us. For the reality that heaven was preaching, or that Jesus was preaching about during his ministry, the reality of heaven to be experienced and felt and lived out in our city and on our streets and in our families and in our schools and everywhere that we go, he wants his kingdom to be realized in our city and our nation and he wants to use you. He wants to use you, church. This is a moment of opportunity where God is going, well, who am I going to send? Who is it out there that is willing to be part of this project that I'm building on the earth? Because we got to understand this was always God's plan. God's plan was always to involve humanity in his kingdom project. When he created Adam and Eve, the intention was that they would be living in the kingdom of God perpetually. But because of sin, because Adam and Eve decided to do things their own way, they, they rejected the wisdom of God. They rejected the command of God and they decided that they wanted to take for themselves. They introduced sin into the world. And I don't think we need to look very hard at our world to find sin, do we? Like if the kingdom of God is where God's will is done and his, his rule and reign is supreme, where we're restored to right relationship with one another like Adam and Eve were always supposed to be, where we're restored to relationship with God like Adam and Eve were always supposed to be, if that's the goal, how much do we see that happening in our world? Like relational conflict. Can anyone, anyone think of relational conflict where we're having conflict with other people happening anywhere in our world? internationally? Can anyone think of conflict nationally where people are fighting, people are at each other's throats? Can anyone think of conflict in our own city or maybe in our own family or maybe even within ourselves where we're experiencing conflict? There's relational damage. The kingdom of God is not being experienced. Can anyone think of any separation from God? where evil is happening in the world, where sin is happening in the world, where instead of following the way of God, people are living their own way, living greedy, living selfish. Can anyone think of any stories of where that might be, be happening? We don't need to look very hard to realize that the kingdom is not here altogether. We see glimpses of it. We have moments of it. We come in together for church. We're in small groups. We're in community with one another. We're surrendered to what God is doing. And we, we see the kingdom. We glimpse the kingdom. We pray for people. We see answers and breakthrough in prayer. We see the kingdom. But it's now and it's, it's not yet. It's why Jesus told us that we need to keep praying for the kingdom. You know, this is what's happening in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet in the nation of Judah, the southern nation of Israel. And, and at this point that he comes in, this king, Uzziah, who's a good king, has died. But even though he was a good king, we need to understand the people of Israel were not following what God told them to. They were not caring for the poor. They were not caring for the oppressed. They were not looking out for the widow and orphan the way they were supposed to. There was inequity. They were, they were hoarding riches. They were making sure that they were getting the best. They were being selfish. Does that sound familiar in any, any sphere today. See, we think, oh, that's different back then, but actually it's, it's pretty similar in a lot of ways. And Isaiah was a prophet who called out the power that was in charge to be more like God wanted them to be and who comforted those who were being oppressed and who were being hurt. 
And God says, who shall I send? He has this vision. And he's saying, we need to send a message. I need to send a message of the kingdom that is going to be coming. Who will go? And Isaiah says, I'll, I'll do it. Puts his hand up. Me, send me. Here I am. Send me. I will bring your message. And the result is this. Isaiah becomes Isaiah. He ends up writing this significant prophetic book in the Bible. One of the most important prophets in history. He speaks to power and he comforts those who are oppressed. He fulfills what God wanted him to. The idea being that the kingdom comes through his ministry. Here's the big idea that I, if you, gotta, if you wanna write this down, put it in your phone, put it somewhere. Here's the idea. The kingdom of God is brought down on earth when God's people make themselves available and obedient to him. You see, Isaiah was available. He said, here I am. But then he's obedient because he also says, send me. You see, Isaiah could have had this vision and go, there's no way I'm saying that. There's no way I'm doing that because they're not going to like it when I say that. So no, 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 I'm here, but I'm not going to be obedient. And he could have been obedient in the sense that he was living the way God told him to, but if he's not available, then he never gets the platform that God wanted to give him. You see, we need to be both available and obedient to God to experience the kingdom here and now. And we actually see this all throughout the Old Testament. We see it through people like Noah and Joseph and Moses and Joshua and Gideon and Samuel and David and Elijah and Isaiah. And often they do things that are incredibly difficult, but when they make themselves available and remain obedient, a glimpse of God's kingdom comes. And of course, it, it comes to the full realization through the person of Jesus God is establishing his kingdom and the way that it's most obvious is through the life and ministry of Jesus himself. Check this out in John 5. Jesus says that he does nothing in his own will. He just does what his father tells him to do. He's available and he's obedient. He doesn't even do it in his own power. He does it empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus, being God himself, who took on humanity to walk with us, was being available and obedient to the Father's will. And he shows us what a life lived for God is supposed to look like. You see, Jesus is not some archetype that's unattainable. It's actually an example. He is an example of what life in the Spirit is supposed to result in. We are supposed to look like Jesus. But we have to be available and obedient. And then Jesus calls people to follow. Secondly, he calls people to follow. Jesus is walking along a beach. He sees some people fishing and he says, hey, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Come on. And these, these young men, they, they go, okay. They drop their nets and they follow after Jesus. Peter, Andrew, James, and John all follow after Jesus, leaving behind what they were doing. See, they weren't available but when they heard the call of God, they made themselves available. They could have said, oh, yeah, yeah, we can be done fishing. But wait, you want, you want us to follow you? Have no place to lay our head? No, no, no. Like, I'm available, but not for that. I'm available, but I'm not obedient. No, they were available and obedient. They go with Jesus. He shows us uh, the way that we're supposed to live. You see what happened? He called. They made themselves available and are obedient. And what an amazing opportunity it is that they're stepping into to walk and follow Jesus to have the kingdom realized. This is why in Matthew 6, Jesus is, is teaching his disciples to pray. About, and the kingdom coming and God's will being done here on earth as it is in heaven is one of the first things that we're supposed to pray for. We recognize him as our father and then we ask the kingdom to come and be realized in and through our lives. 
even before we confess sin, even before we pray for our needs, even before we forgive other people, even before we, we ask God to forgive us, we are supposed to be asking God to establish his kingdom here and now, wherever it is that we go. You see, we're supposed to be people who are realigning our priorities to what is important to God's heart. Can I, can I just say this, church? We have the answer to what ails the world. The problems that our world is facing are actually solved within God's kingdom. He does not look for war. He does not want famine. He does not want strife. He does not want greed. He does not want inequality. He does not want racism. He does not want prejudice. He does not want ethnic cleansing. All the things that happen in our world that we are disgusted by are in opposition to God's kingdom here on earth. And so the solution then to the world's problems is to see the kingdom here and now. Church, we got an opportunity. We got a world that is crying out for help, but are we available and are we obedient? You got to imagine that his disciples are walking around with Jesus and he's healing people and he's preaching and he's talking about the kingdom. And they're like, yeah, we're in Jesus's gang. So we're part of this, right? Like I'm not doing anything, but you're doing it. And so therefore I'm doing it with you, right? Because sometimes that's what we do. We, we go to church and we're like, well, I'm part of what my church is doing. Therefore I'm doing it for God. I'm available and obedient because my church is doing it. But actually God is calling all of us to do it. That's why he also sends us. In Matthew 9, 35, it says this, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Church, does this sound familiar in our world today? He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. And then it says this, and we have all these chapters and verses that break up the Bible and make it easier to reference in our world. But you got to remember that this is, this is a different way that this was written. This would have been all on one parchment. So he says this at the end in verse 38, and then verse, or chapter 10 starts like this. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them the authority to cast out evil spirits, to heal every kind of disease and illness. Did you see what happened there? Jesus turns to his disciples. He's like, hey, the harvest is plentiful. There's a lot of work to be done. Pray to the Lord to send out workers into the harvest. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They pray. And then he's like, all right, so here's what you're doing. You're going out into the harvest. You see, sometimes the prayers that we pray, God goes, great, now it's time to answer it as well. Yeah, I'm not just asking for you to say words. I'm asking for you to be available and obedient to what you just prayed. You want the kingdom? Go be the kingdom. Wow. You, you want workers out in the field? Oh, you're a worker, get, get, get going. And not out, of a, not out of a you have to kind of attitude, but because we are motivated by love for the world around us, we want to see the kingdom experienced. They are available and obedient. They are seeing the kingdom and learning from Jesus. And then Jesus sends them out. After he had died on the cross to end our sin and bring us back to life by his resurrection. Check this out. Jesus calls all of those who have made themselves available to him. All of them in Matthew 28. So it's not just the original 12. Because sometimes we let ourselves off the hook, right? Well, yeah, but those guys were like with Jesus all the time. So it's easy for them. 
No, no, Jesus is like, okay, so he's come back from the dead 40 days later, standing on a hillside. He says, okay, everyone come around. And he says this in Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go, go, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always to the end of the age. Another way that we can think of what Jesus is saying here is who shall I send? Who will go? I want you to go. This is the command that I'm giving you. And when we read this in 2022, we need to understand this is an invitation of God to partner with him in seeing his kingdom come and his will be done. It's the same kind of invitation that he gave to Isaiah in the temple where he said, who am I going to send? And he said, oh, here I am. Send me. Jesus standing on the mountain goes, go make disciples of all nations. What we are called to respond with is here, here I am. Send me. What is our response to Jesus? These are not my words. This is the invitation of Jesus. And I want to ask the question, am I available? Like, am I available personally? Are you available? Are we available to the invitation of Jesus to partner with him in seeing his kingdom come and his will be done? And not only that, but will we be obedient when it gets challenging? But we be obedient when it gets tough. And, and here's the thing. Jesus doesn't necessarily promise that it won't. Sometimes people won't like what we have to say. Sometimes people are going to consider us the lowest of culture. He says, hey, take heart when you're persecuted because of me. They persecuted me. They're definitely going to persecute you. <laughs> Just some encouragement for you this morning, church. Availability and obedience is what brings the kingdom down. And, and here's the thing. It's usually right around here that people are like, well, Hold on a second, Pastor Matt, because like I'm just a regular person. Like I hear what you're saying. I like it. I think we do need the kingdom. I get what you're saying. I get that it's God's plan that he's had ever since the dawn of time for people to experience flourishing and everything like that. But here's the thing. I'm not a preacher. Like, I'm just a regular person. Like I, I, I'm not theologically deep. I don't know if I'm qualified to share people with Jesus. Like I don't have the gifts that would get you up on stage. So I just don't know how impactful I could possibly be. And, and truthfully, some of you are also going, well, yeah, but here's the thing. You don't know what I've done. I get that you're like, hey, we're all called to, to minister. We're all called to reach people. We're all called to be available and obedient, but I've messed up. Like I've done things that I don't think I could possibly do ministry after. Like I'm a hypocrite if I do, right? Or, or maybe you're sitting there going, you know, you, you don't understand. It's not what I've done. It's what I'm doing. Like I'm currently in it. I have no witness. Like I'm, I'm, <laughs> and can I just tell you something? That may all be true. You may be sitting there making choices that you need to stop, where you need to stop living in sin. You need to actually stop doing things that are sin, that are against the way of God because they're hurting people, including yourself. That may be true. It may be true that you don't have any gifts and abilities that put you on stage with a microphone in your hand. That may all be true, but here's the lie. The lie is that God can't use you because of it. The lie is that you are not able to be obedient and available to God because of what you've done in your past. The lie is that since you don't have some gifts that could put you on keyboard or on a microphone, God doesn't want to use you. That's a lie from the enemy. 
That is not truth. The truth is that regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you've been, regardless of where you are right now, the arms of Jesus are open. He's saying, come to me and find rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. And then he says, and, and then I'm going to send you out. So that the experience that you have, the transformation that you have, the salvation that you experience, you can carry to someone else. God wants to use you. He's not holding anything against you. There may be some things that you, he wants you to stop because they're hurting you and hurting other people, but he loves you and he wants to use you. See, here's the thing. When God's people make themselves available and obedient to him, he qualifies them. I'll say that again. When God's people make themselves available and obedient to him, he is the one who qualifies them. Now, qualification for kingdom work involves two things. First of all, justification. Second of all, empowerment. So in terms of justification, we actually see this moment in the temple with Isaiah. He's going through the same sense. He freaks out at the beginning of the vision. Check this out in verse five of chapter six. It says this, then I said, it's all over. I am doomed for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. And yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Now understand something in Jewish culture. When something is unclean, it cannot come into contact with holy things. If you were unclean, if you had sin, you could not enter the temple because you might die because the holiness of God would be overwhelming. It also meant that if, if you were unclean and you had sin and you touched something that was supposed to be clean, like a priest or something in the temple, now it was unclean and needed to be cleansed. You see, what was happening here is that his understanding of sin was that he was completely unqualified to even be standing in God's presence because he was going to ruin everything around it. Maybe you feel like the sin that you have in your life is going to taint and ruin other things around it, but check out what happens in verse six. Then one of the seraphim, which is an angel, flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar and a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. You see, you see what happens there in that moment? The angel takes a coal, which is holy, and he touches it to his lips. And instead of his uncleanliness affecting the coal, the holiness of the coal makes him holy. I know this might be a little technical, so just bear with me for a second, but we need to understand something. The altar is a symbol of our prayer to God. The altar in the temple was a symbol of prayers being constantly given up to God. It was a way of communicating with God. And so this coal comes from that, this bridge between us and God, and it makes him clean. Do you know who sits at the right hand of God interceding for you? Better than an altar, better than a coal, better than some incense. There is a person sitting at the right hand of God who is praying for you constantly. Let me give you a hint. It's a lot more awesome than a coal. In Matthew 8, Jesus encounters a leper. Now, lepers were unclean. It was a transmissible skin disease, flesh eating. And if you touched a leper, there was a high chance that you were going to also get leprosy. So this is an image for what sin was thought to do and uncleanliness was thought to do. And this leper comes up to Jesus. He shouldn't have been there. He should have been in a leper colony. And Jesus definitely shouldn't go near this man because he's unclean. But what Jesus does is this, this man says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reaches out his hand, Matthew 8, verse 3, and touched the man. 
I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of the leprosy. You see, the coal was a foreshadow of Jesus. That when Jesus touches us, when Jesus comes into contact with our life, he makes us clean. He makes us whole. He removes our sin. He removes our shame and our guilt. And his holiness makes us whole. His holiness isn't tarnished by our lack of holiness. His holiness makes us holy. This is what he did on the cross. This is what he does when we invite him to be the Lord of our lives. He gives us a new life. He makes us holy. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you come to Jesus, it's gone. He deals with it. There is no sin you could do that is greater than the cross of Christ. Everything has been dealt with on the cross. He justifies you. Whatever you've done in your past, when we bring it to him, it's dealt with. It does not stand in the way of him wanting to use you to see his kingdom come and his will be done. And the other thing is that he empowers us. And I I close with this. Think of the story of the loaves of the fish and the bread. Matthew 14. Jesus is teaching this crowd. It's a large crowd, over 10,000 people. And he's teaching them and it's starting to get late. And he says to his disciples, I feel bad for them. We should, we should feed them. And the disciples are like, Jesus, this is not possible. We don't have the money. We don't have the resource to feed these people. It's impossible, God. And, and what does Jesus say? A little boy comes to him and they bring him and he says, he's got five loaves of bread and two fish. It's, it's not much. But here's the thing, he was available and he was obedient. Comes to Jesus and we don't know what happened there. Maybe the boy came up to the disciple and just pulled on his robe and said, I, I got this. And the disciple probably went, that's not enough. And then went, you know, maybe I should bring it to Jesus anyway, right? Because there's been a couple times where, so you know what, let's, come on kid, let's go. And he goes, hey, this is available and I'll give it to you. And Jesus takes the loaves and he takes the fish, which was not enough. And he makes 10,000 meals out of it. And when they collect the food afterward, there was more than when it first came in. He, he does a miracle. You know, maybe you're, you're like, well, yeah, it's just five loaves. It's just, two fish. it's just my work life. It's just my job. It's just a soccer team. It's just a second period spare. It's just a commute to work. It's just a customer I see eight times a week. I just love writing, but it's just, it's just writing. It's just journaling. Like I just have an enjoyment of creating things. I just, I just like helping people find their seats at church. It's just singing some songs. It's just a cup of, cup of coffee in the lobby. It's just a smile with our eyes. Whatever it is, sometimes we're like, it's, it's just, it's not big enough to give to God. It's not big enough for him to do anything with, but we, we got to understand in the hands of God, there is no stopping it. In the hands of God, he takes something which is seemingly not enough and he does more with it than we could ever think or imagine. We need to take our natural and offer it to the hands of God. We need to take our natural and say, this is available and I'm obedient to give it to you. Do something with it that I can't do because I want to see your kingdom come and your will be done. So whatever I have, I give to you because I'm about what you're about. I'm available and I'm obedient. I give my whole life to you. That's what we're called to. And not to mention... He never meant for us to do it on our own anyway, church. In Matthew 28, he says, but I'm, I'm with you till the end of the age. I don't worry, I'm with you. And in Acts 1, Jesus says that his disciples need to wait for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
for the gift of the Holy Spirit to fall on them, to empower them. You see, they're available and they're obedient, but they still need empowerment. They've been justified, they still need empowerment. But when the Spirit of God breathes on us, we become something altogether different for the kingdom of God. We become people who see the kingdom brought down into every area of our lives. He knows that even though his disciples have been with them for years, on their own, it's not enough. On our own, it's not enough, church. Just having a couple songs is not enough. Just having preaching is not enough. Just having atmosphere is not enough. But when the spirit of the living God, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, breathes on it, when we are available and obedient to that, it changes everything. It was because Jesus said, go, go, make disciples. And they said, here I am send me. Here I am, send me. And when the Holy Spirit falls on those disciples in Acts 2, 3,000 people get saved. 3,000 people come to Jesus. They didn't have a good social media campaign. They weren't advertising it. They didn't have posters around town. No one was inviting anyone. The Holy Spirit falls and people are like, what the heck was that? They come running. Peter preaches a sermon and 3,000 people get saved because they were available they were obedient. Church, we're about to go back to gathering in person. For the first time in months, we're gonna be in the room together. We're gonna be people who are coming to church for the first time. Some people who've been watching online, this is gonna be your first time in church. There'll be areas that we can get involved and build into. There may be things that God says, I want you to get involved with this. I want you to do that. And the, the real challenge for us is to just say, I'm available and I'm obedient. Right outside of our city walls or right outside of our church walls, there's a city full of people who are looking for answers, church. There is a city and a nation and a province and families and schools and workplaces that desperately need a touch of the kingdom of heaven. And God is saying, who can I send? Who will go? And I don't know about you, church, but in seeing the kingdom come, in a desire to see a move of God, he is inviting you and he's inviting me and sends us in partnership with him. He's asking, who, who shall I send? What is your reply? Are you available? Will you be obedient? As for me, as for my life, my hand is up saying, here I am, send me. Here I am send me. So write it home. If that's you, if you're like, I want in, I want to be part of that. I, I haven't been obedient. God can deal with that. I haven't been available. I've, I've just been so busy. God can deal with that. But right now in a moment, I want to challenge you and I want to invite you to hear the call of God on your life saying, who will I send? And so if you're saying, here I am, send me, can you just stand your feet? right in your living room, right where you are, as a symbol and an act before God saying, I, I surrender, I give you my all. I'm doing it, Lord. Here I am, send me, use me. I may not have skill, I may not have much, I may not have everything that I think I need, but God, I know that I'm willing and I'm obedient and I'm available and I know that you're gonna empower me. You're gonna deal with my mistakes. You're gonna deal with the things that I do wrong, but God, I want your kingdom to come and your will to be done. Here I am, send me.
If you're standing, would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for these people who are standing. God, thank you that they are hearing your call, that they are willing and able and available. Lord, I pray for your empowerment. God, I pray that you would breathe on the things that need justification in their lives. God, that you would bring healing and wholeness, forgiveness where there's been sin. God, you would bring help where people are stuck in patterns of sin. God, that you would help drag them out of it, that you would give them the power to get out of it. Father, I pray for people who are feeling apathetic, who maybe have been going, they're just stuck in a rut. They're not even sure if they wanna come back to church, but God, you're stirring in them. God, I pray that they would be available and that they would be obedient to you. Lord, I pray by the power of your spirit that you would breathe on our natural, on the things that we can do, on our giftings, on our abilities, even if they seem like just five loaves and two fish. God, that you would start a miracle in our church. God, we pray with all that we are that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in Halifax and in our world as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, church, be blessed. We love you. We'll see you next week in person. Make sure you get there at 10, not 11.30, 10 o'clock in the morning, back to the 10 a.m. service time. We love you. Have a great week, church. Be blessed.